Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We begin hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. We are here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And, you know, it's always interesting to me that this is March Madness. We're tipping it off tonight. Baseball is back. So we're always talking about free agency, what's going on there. The NFL has become 24-7, 365, just scene stealers, yeah. headline stealers. It's like they've just said, wait, wait, you want to talk about your basketball? We're going to throw some uh, monkey wrenches in What do we say? Uh, baseball is America's pastime, but football is now America's passion. And it, it absolutely is. It's like it's like they just can't go away. I mean, we're, we're, getting the, we're watching the selection show and debating the teams and who should be in, who should be out, <laughs> what seeds, and then all of a sudden, Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm coming. And it's like, not freaking now, dude. Wait, Tom. Can you, like, wait until the second week of this when we only got 16? teams left and maybe put it out like Monday or Tuesday, then you get two or three days of speculation and love. It's like, oh, the greatest is back, you know, and all that stuff. It's like, you just had to steal the thunder, didn't you, Tom? He did, and he totally stole it on Sunday. And let's get into that very quickly, because it, it impacted things out here in the desert, and that's for sure. Because with the official retirement of Brady, what, not even two months ago, we saw those numbers kind of fluctuate in the 25 to 1 range for the Buccaneers. And, you know, it's interesting because you and I were doing the show in regards to Aaron Rodgers uh, a couple weeks ago. Is it a week ago now? It feels like years mm-hmm. ago already. And you had mentioned with Denver not getting Aaron Rodgers. We were, we were in the show here on the Lombardi line. You said, you know, Denver might still be a good play because the rest of the team, the value is there at about 25 to 1 at that point. And lo and behold, two hours later, Russell Wilson becomes said quarterback and those numbers get shorted. Well, you see what happened here. There it is again for the Buccaneers, 25 to 1. And then all of a sudden, with that news floating on Tom Brady, it gets all the way to, to plus a 50. So do that math, how quickly that switches. 12 to 1 to win the NFC, down to plus 375. To win the South, plus money, now you got to weigh over $2. That was to the angst of some people out here mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, West. that maybe some people 
got down on some really good numbers of the Buccaneers, just a little bit ahead of that Tom Brady flippance, and now he is, in fact, back in the National Football Yeah, I'm going to pull this up, uh, this story from Pro Football Talk uh, this morning, and this was actually explained by Todd Dewey of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, so this PFT uh, story, taking from Todd's story, does a great job here for the RJ here in town. Uh, the Westgate Superbook Vice President, Jay Cornegay, who's uh, run the shop over there at Superbook for many years, does a great job. He believes that there were significant bets played on the Buccaneers last week, and it arose from potential inside information Ooh. that Tom Brady was going to be retiring, and he wants the NFL to look into it. So uh, to kind of explain the situation, a sharp better on Thursday for the place to bet for the Buccaneers to win the NFC at 30-1 to and also the Super Bowl at 60-1. to After that, of course, they probably took a decent amount on that bet, and they dropped it to 25-1. to Same better came in and bet on the Bucs again, and this is a quote wow. from Jay Cornegay, quote-unquote, there's not a doubt in my mind that they knew he was coming back when they placed those wagers on Thursday. And these were not casual betters. They would be categorized as educated betters. It wasn't a guy with the Tom Brady jersey at the counter. It was a player we would describe as sharp. With that type of play and the announcement we heard Sunday that he was unretiring, there was information shared prior to his official announcement, unquote. So, look, uh, and also the South Point right here where we sit had a similar experience on Thursday. Someone placed big money on the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl, not only at 50 to 1, but also at 30 to 1, Whoa. and also at 25 to 1. So, you know, maybe there's a there there because th this was not that significant. You know, and, and I think Jay is probably right that, yeah, they know that this is a sharp better because the guys behind the counter, because you most places you have like a player number or you have an account number, they know who is who. And that's why at a lot of these stores here in town, they're going to make you maybe sign up for like the, the rewards program or the club membership. Because if you want to just come in and just bet something, I know everybody thinks the reputation is, oh, it's Vegas. You can just bet anything you damn well mm. please at any time. Not necessarily so. So that's why if you don't like have a history with a group, like let's say you're somebody and you got a lot of cash and you want to bet a million dollars on something, maybe they'll eventually take your action, but they want to know who the hell you are. Right. And they eventually, you know, Jay and, and the whole crew and John Murray, Jeff Sherman, Ed Sammons, the whole crew over there at Superbook, they know. They've seen about everything. That crew's been together for many years, even before they went over to the Westgate. So they know, okay, who is a Sharpie and who's just, you know, Joe Schmo placing a Super Bowl bet. And again, when you see those numbers and when you're getting them at 60 to 1 and then the same people coming back at 50 to 1 and then at 30 to 1, that's probably the tipping point where they're going to go, wait a minute, what's going on here? How in the world are you making these bets even as we short the number and you're still before mm -hmm. Tom Brady's made his announcement? So this is opening up up a Pandora's box. Look, we talked about Calvin Ridley a couple weeks ago, and people want to be on the up and up with this information. I wonder when you ask the NFL to do an investigation as to whether or not Tom Brady had already made this kind of in inner circle, this knowledge was out there, what the NFL can do about it. Because mm -hmm. how does this affect? Look, let's, let's, the, the, the Pandora's box has been open between the NFL and gambling. They are now in bed together. And you have to make sure that these sports books now are going to say, hey, you can't catch us like this. You, you cannot. If we got these numbers at 50 to 60 and there's information out there that we don't know, that's almost unfair to the books. Mm -hmm. So I know most people don't cry for the sports books. I understand that. But those numbers were large. And to have them bet down and still see that type of action come in, I think it's fair for the books to say NFL 
What's going on here? You've got to give us and make the information available to us if you're making it available to well, these potential sharp Well, and, and look, and I don't think it's necessarily sour grapes from Jay and those guys. I think they just want to see if they can look into this. I mean, they've already taken the bets. Right. So, bets you know, are there. I mean, whatever would go to that, I don't think that they would necessarily cancel the wagers. I mean, they could very well go to gaming if there, in fact, is some kind of inside information. But, you know, Better's betted. I mean, betting is about information, and sometimes you get something. Mm. It's like, you know, if you get an injury or something. And that's why I talked about, you know, in terms of limits and knowing somebody's history. What if you have, like, let's say a college basketball team here in the NCAA tournament, and they haven't left yet, and maybe you got a guy that's a next-door neighbor of a head coach. Well, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, our guys went to a party and, and got busted for, for drinking. So we got to suspend them. So we're going to have like four starters suspended. And the market and the media doesn't know that. But he tells his neighbor that it hasn't been announced yet. We're not going to announce it for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden somebody goes and bets on that team, you know, randomly. Hey, give me, you know, $250,000 on this side. Well, they're going to ask questions because you got to assume all these type of scenarios when you're a bookmaker because, yeah, you want to take people's action, but you don't want to also expose yourself and right. get hit for a big bet because these guys have bosses and these guys have casino executives. You know, Chris Andrews, you know, if he were to do that, I'm sure Michael gone, the owner of this establishment, and be like, okay, Chris, what, what's, what, going, what's on? going on with this bet? So these guys and these bookmakers, I'm not saying to feel sorry for them, but keep in mind, they have people to answer to. These are not just independently, That's right. totally run shops. You know, everybody's got a boss, and he's got a boss, and that guy's got a boss. So keep that in mind, uh, maybe when you're uh, slamming these books uh, for talking about potential inside information about this stuff. You know, Adam Schefter is regarded as one of the best, if not the best in the business. And again, he broke the Tom Brady story, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a big hubbub. Uh, yeah, Schefter says, and Darlington, and these guys said, hey, Brady's out. Yeah, now, okay, now he's back. Well, Adam Schefter, on my way in to do this fine program with you today, I'd seen that he had tweeted just a couple hours ago. He had said, and, and I quote, the Cowboys are re-signing defensive end Randy Gregory to a five-year, $70 million deal. That includes $28 million guaranteed per source. Guess what? That is no longer true. That is no longer fact. He is now signed with the Denver Broncos. Something has happened that we, the Dallas Cowboys, thought they had Randy Gregory locked and loaded, re-signed. They also got Malik Hooker back. So I'm thinking, okay, hey, the Cowboys, they got Tank Lawrence back. They got Randy Gregory back. They got Malik Hooker back. They're going to run back a pretty good defense, a much improved defense from a year ago. And you can make the case that Randy Gregory was the most sought-after defensive end in the free agency pool. Now, Wes, I don't know what happened from the time Shefty put out that tweet two hours ago to the point where they went, no, 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 no. The deal and the language has changed. Reportedly, Gregory's people say that Jarrah and Stephen Jones and the Brady Trust that is the Dallas Cowboys tried to sneak something in on the fine print. Maybe the agent caught that in the fine print, and now you've done us dirty. And guess what? We're out. We're signing with the Broncos. So now, if you were the Broncos and took Wes Reynolds' advice and took them before they got Russell Wilson, okay, at 25 to 1, so now you get Russell Wilson after that, and now you get arguably the most coveted defensive end mm -hmm. in free agency. My goodness.
Wes Reynolds, the Denver Broncos, and those backers financially, they got to be loving And I know moves. a few weeks ago, Vaughn Miller was kind of putting out that he might be interested in going back Whoa. to Denver. We'll see if that happens. But they already have another good guy by the name of Bradley Chubb Pretty uh, good. on that defense. And then also that secondary, very good. Patrick Sertan, the second, going to be in his second year. So Denver's oh going my. to have a good defense, and that's what made it, I think, a really attractive job. And now you add Russell Wilson. You've got some young weapons, and there's a reason why there's some optimism in Denver. Now, we still don't know yet who is going to own that particular franchise. Uh, somebody that's uh, got billions to spend. I know that they're going through bids right now as the Bowling Trust uh, finally sells that team. Wow. That's big news, though. Again, sometimes these smaller moves that you don't pay as much attention to in the, uh, because it's not the quarterback position, this is a rather significant move for the Denver Broncos. They are going, I don't want to say they're going Rams all in. But they are making some signings that are going to give them a window that's going to be open for a couple of years to come. So if you're a Bronco backer, hey, pretty good news for you. Well, today. you're in the best division in all the NFL with the Chiefs and the Chargers. And, you know, the Raiders still are fairly solid. New coach, new GM. So uh, you got to – I mean, it's, it's like an arms race really in the AFC West. And the rich are getting richer, that's for sure, out, out there in the Mile High City. When we come back, we're going to go back to the East and break down that bracket. Come on back. It is Visa and the Sports Betting Network. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The KF. 
KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger looking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the Lombardi line right here on Decent. Have you gotten one of those uh, straight out of the fryer? I have not gotten a chicken sandwich straight out of the fryer. I, I like the bucket, the uh, the wings and the thighs. I, I don't necessarily like the breasts and the uh, and the or excuse me, the legs and the thighs is what I go with usually from KFC. I don't. I hope this isn't payola. But if you know KFC wants to give us one of those chicken sandwiches straight out of the fryer, I know. I'll try one. Like you bring bring some uh, yep. biscuits and some mashed potatoes. Yep. Uh, I didn't eat breakfast this morning, so we would appreciate if the local KFC provided. not gonna not gonna say no KFC. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the East region here in the NCAA tournament, and obviously Baylor is the number one seed. They've got Norfolk State from my neck of the woods in the 757 in that first round matchup, laying about 20 and a half in that one. But I want to go bigger picture on this because when you look at the way the bracket breaks down here, that's the 116. The 8-9 is North Carolina Marquette, which could be a very interesting matchup there. And then St. Mary's is going to wait the winner of your alma mater, Indiana, against Wyoming. The other side of that bracket, you've got the 3 in Purdue, uh, the 6 in Texas, and the 4 in UCLA. So when you look at the East region and you break it down with the odds to get to the Final Four, I mean, there's some interesting teams. Virginia Tech is curious to me. That, by the way, they wouldn't have made the NCAA tournament had they not beaten Duke in the ACC Final, which surprises me. They're 33-1. to Shaka and company, Marquette, 33-1. to Murray State's got at least a pro on that roster. They're also 33 to one Texas. I don't know what to make of them at 12 to one. I, I really don't like that number for them. St. Mary's. We talked about the WCC a lot. I think they're getting a lot of respect. Randy Bennett and company at 20 to one. Do you like the shorter favorites? Say the first four on the board, or do you like some of the longer numbers here? Uh, I do like one of the first four on the board and the main one would be Kentucky. I actually got two, uh, Futures at better numbers with Purdue at 25 to 1, Kentucky 16 to 1, and there'd be the three twos, so they would be the regional semifinal there in the Sweet 16. So one of them would get knocked out. But if you're looking a little bit down the board, okay. I would say maybe North Carolina. I think that they could beat oh. Baylor in an 8-1 matchup. And North Carolina, I think, even though putting aside that performance against Virginia Tech, this is a team that started to play better ball down the stretch. They and did. It was capped off by that win on uh, Mike Krzyzewski, uh last game home day in Durham uh, against Duke. So North Carolina might be a team I'd look at. I think that they could potentially, if they knock out Baylor, obviously – you look, and what would be waiting for them? Maybe St. Mary's, uh, the five seed, maybe Indiana if they win tonight and then beat St. Mary's as a 12 seed. So that top end could open up for North Carolina. And then if you have one of those tickets, you got a potential hedge opportunity, you know, depending on what you do with Kentucky or Purdue, who I think would both be favored over North Carolina, and they both beat North Carolina in the regular season as well. So in that top region, I would say North Carolina is kind of that team a little bit down the board that you might want to take a look at. I, I, I want to. I'm intrigued by UCLA for a couple reasons. One, obviously, we, we saw the great run they made a year ago to get to the Final Four and came within a skosh of beating Gonzaga and getting to the national final game against Baylor. And then this year, right now, to make the Final Four, you, you can get them at six dollars. Now, you watch the the, the Pac-12 final against Arizona and. They were handling Arizona for the majority of that game. And then second half, Arizona puts on that late run, and, and they run away at the end. 
What do you make of UCLA this year? Are they ripe for the picking, or do you think that Mick Cronin's got something going there? You know, I don't know because I, I felt uh, UCLA did overachieve. They and did. had a little bit of luck last year. So I felt that they overachieved, but nevertheless, they got to the Final Four and they brought all five starters back. Now they are getting healthy here at the end of the season because you had a couple of those starters. Juzang missed some time. Tiger Campbell missed some time. Everybody missed a ga- at least a game or two kind of in that second half half of the conference season, but now they are getting healthy. They're using the transfer Miles Johnson a little bit more in the post uh, rather than Cody Riley. Cody Riley was the returning starter, but now Johnson kind of taking his minutes, a little bit better defender out there, even though he's a little bit susceptible to the pick and roll, and I think teams are going to try to isolate him and get him away from the rim at that standpoint, but you know, UCLA, uh, I, I don't, I'm in the middle on them because it's like, I think that they're good But I also think that, you know, they were overrated to start the season, I think, because of what they were bringing back and because they did go to the Final Four. And, I, you know, maybe it's my eyes that are giving me that impression because I went and saw them live at the T-Mobile Arena against Gonzaga, and they didn't look like they belonged on the same floor. Gonzaga's just beating them in transition up and down the floor over and over again. You had Chet Holmgren taking dudes off the dribble and going to the rim and dunking. So I was like, (laughs) man, maybe this UCLA team isn't that great, but, you know, Mick Cronin sometimes, he's got more athletes, so he'll run a little bit more, but if you look at their tempo, it's relatively restrained. It's not quite Cincinnati, you know, low-scoring game, total fist fight type right. of game. It's a little more free-flowing because he has better talent out there in Westwood, but still... You know, they have a tendency to kind of go back into that style. So I don't really know how far UCLA could go. I could see them maybe getting beaten in the second round or potentially being a Final Four dark horse. Uh, Purdue, by the way, is going to play the smart guys, the Yaleys. They're going to lay about 15 and a half in that one against uh, Yale. Uh, full disclosure, I did play Purdue to come out of this bracket. I played them at 5-1. Mm-hmm. to one. It's now down to, to 450. Uh, so I got a little bit of the better, better number there when they first came out. And the reason is, and I listen to you a lot when we do betting across America throughout the college basketball season, I love their offense, obviously, with what Matt Painter has. They're playing some defense now. I, look, it's not a good defense. It's, not a, it's certainly not a great defense. But they're playing s- uh, at least some more respectable defense, even in the Iowa loss in the Big Ten final. Are you with me that I that Purdue, if they just play a little bit more defense than what we've seen in the regular season, I think they're trending in the right direction. The offensive firepower is there. Yeah, I don't want to rule them out. Like, look, I'm a little lukewarm on them now because I had that good number where I thought in December I was convinced this was the best team in the country. Right. And they did get to number one, and then Rutgers knocked them off. And then the defense just, you know, some of those guys, Eric Hunter, Sasha Stefanovic, you have to make a trade-off because those are both really good three-point shooters and they make a lot of three for you, but they also let their let their guy buy them a lot here, Boy. so uh, that's what you worry about with Purdue, and by the way, uh, I was on a uh, Megapod with Gil Alexander and Jeff Parles yesterday, we uh, taped that down at the D here in downtown Las Vegas, and I was kind of looking at this, just happened to glance with Purdue, because this is a Purdue game that I was like, well, they hadn't covered a game in a while. They hadn't covered a game since February 8th against Illinois, where they won by 16 as five-and-a-half-point favorites. If you go and you look, I believe they are on, uh, I'm just counting the numbers here, like an 0-9-1 run. And I do think a lot of the new and casual betters here for the NCAA tournament that especially come into town and look that are going to get their apps over the next couple of days because they want to have the entertainment. They want to have the sweat. They want to bet the NCAA tournament, you know, pretty much for 14 hours on Thursday and Friday. 
And they're going to look and say, yeah, this Purdue team hadn't covered a game in over a month. So they're going to want to take all those points with Yale, who has been in the NCAA tournament a couple times in recent years. But I think Purdue's going to lay out Yale, by the way. I did lay 15. And, look, I don't usually like to lay a lot of big favorites mm-hmm. in the first round. I'm probably on more dogs than I am favorites. But I think Purdue absolutely just pummels this team. I look at the 6-11 matchup in Texas against Virginia Tech. And, again, I'm in the tank for those Hokies a little bit, my old neck of the woods there. I am surprised. Look, Texas is a small favorite here, about point and a half against the Hokies. I'm just stunned that the committee wasn't going to put Virginia Tech in this tournament unless they'd beaten Duke to win Mm -hmm. the ACC. And as I joked on Twitter, boy, they barely got in even with that automatic bid. So now they're going to get one against Texas. What do you make of this? Is this now they're going to be tired legs from winning the ACC tournament? They put everything in to get to the dance and now they fall flat? You know, there could be here. I actually thought this was one of the tougher games, and I don't want to handicap, but just to pick for your bracket, because you could certainly make a case for both. Virginia Tech playing their best basketball of the season. Mike Young is a very good coach, and he is a very proven coach. Took Wofford to the NCAA tournament numerous times, and they're getting a Texas team that, yeah, they have a lot of talent, but a lot of it was transfers. Uh, Chris Beard had a couple holdovers from the previous Longhorn team, but at the end of the season, Chris Beard kind of, you know, they you pointed out that we got a lot of guys on this team that think that they know, but they don't know. So there's some tension perhaps in the ranks this year. I ended up putting Texas through. I have not yet bet this game just because I think that they have more talent. I think Virginia Tech, I think a lot of betters, Dave, do kind of fall prey into, oh, bet the hot team. And we know it's happened before with UConn back in the day, Cardiac, Kemba, and then again in 2014. But the hot team doesn't always, the hot team is always who gets bet, but they don't always come out early on. So I think maybe this was the time for Texas to reassess. Disappointing end to the season, but this is a good team with very good wins and a lot of talent and a very proven NCAA tournament coach. So lean Texas here in this spot. Very quickly, uh, if the seeds hold and it's Baylor against Kentucky to get to the Final Four, who's favored in that game? Uh, I think Kentucky's probably like a two, two-and-a-half point favorite. I tend least. to agree. I think what that goes to show now is the seedings, 6-11 and 11 is basically right. a pick em. They kind of go by you the wayside. You see uh, double-digit seeds. See, I mean, you see it over and over. Look, Loyola was the favorite over Ohio State and all the uh, commentators on Sunday. Here's an upset special for you. Loyola, Chicago over Ohio State. Well, Loyola was the favorite on the opener. Not so much of an upset. When we come back, let's go down to the south because, of course, where the south is, that's where Arizona is because geography matters <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. We're going to break down that bracket when you come back with us. It is the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. demand the VEASAN help desk has returned. Our writers and hosts and experts are here to answer your questions on all things college basketball. The VEASAN help desk is here for you, not only for the big dance, but on the NIT, the CBI, and the CIT too. Submit your questions at VEASAN.com slash madness, and it could be answered by one of our experts on the air or at VEASAN.com. Dave Ross alongside one of those experts, Wes Reynolds, 
Wes, you're always happy to help on the help desk, right? People ask you questions always, about college hoops? Always happy to help. Always uh, happy to interact with uh, the fine people of social media. Oh, I might ask for your help with VCU and the NIT. Uh, let's get back to the South region here in college basketball because, again, it, geography really doesn't matter as Arizona is the number one seed in the South. Now, more than likely, if they get by a Wright State or Bryant, which we believe they will, they're going to take on the winner of Seton Hall and TCU in that 8-9 matchup. Normally, the 8-9s, they're interchangeable, okay? Who do you think Arizona will be playing? Do you think it's going to be the kids from the Hall, or do you think it's going to be, boy, a really good job by Jamie Dixon and what's happening at TCU? I lean TCU, but I thought that that was a tough game. I think that's who I put through in my bracket, but – Obviously, the line indicates that it's a coin flip game. Mm -hmm. These are two very similar teams. They're both very physical, solid defensive teams. This could be an underplay as well. Total is about 130, pretty much market-wide, so I would lean under there. So I think that they are going to get uh, more than likely TCU in the second round. Whoever it is, I just don't think has the depth of athletes to really meet Arizona. So I think Arizona is going through that Sweet 16. That region right below it, though, or that pod, I should say, mm -hmm. right below it, their pods now, uh, the 512, 413. Those might be where you see a little some upsets, and I did bet UAB plus nine against Houston in the first round, and I know, you know, Houston kind of, the metrics guys really love these guys, like the, you know, the Ken Palms mm -hmm. and the Bartorvics have Houston rated like super high, and yet Houston got a five seed. Houston, I think, was kind of like swimming along for the most part in that American Athletic Conference where there were only really three good teams, uh, Houston, Memphis, SMU being the third. They were one of the last teams out, and they'll be playing in the NIT starting tonight. But, you know, Houston, I don't think the fact that they lost a couple really key players from early in the season, I don't think it ever really bore out in the results or really in the prices. But it might here because uh, there's a guy for UAB, and maybe he's going to be like one of those kind of like mid-major stars that we always see, uh, you know, the Herald, the show, Arsenos. I always, I always <laughs> bring him up and those type of guys. And uh, they have a guy, by the way, by the name of uh, – goes by Jelly Walker. It, it uh, is his name. And uh, Jelly Walker had a really big game in the Conference USA tournament against Middle Tennessee State. His name's Jordan Jelly Walker, 5'11", 170, so he's not a very big kid. So you always worry about a, a small guy like that going up against length. But this is a guy that gets a lot of shots up, a pretty good shooter from the three, about 41%, really good at the line. 88%. So Jelly Walker was the absolute star of stars down in Frisco, Texas for that tournament. And I refer mainly to that game last Friday. I watched against Middle Tennessee State that went to uh, three overtimes. And this guy was all over it. I mean, the shooting percentage didn't end up being good. He had over 40. Like, they were like Iverson-like numbers. It reminded <laughs> you of like an Allen Iverson stat line from back in the day. I was trying to pull it up. The uh, internet is acting up. Yeah, 40 points. Uh, he was, I believe, 11 of 29 over overall from the Woo, floor hit three. shots. Yeah. He gets his shots up. He gets his touches 11. So he made five threes. He was 13 to 13 from the line. So, you know, this is a UAB team. That's pretty well coached. Andy Kennedy was the former Ole Miss coach, former UAB player, by the way. So happy to be back in tournament uh, with uh, his mentors, the Bartow family, Gene and Murray Bartow, of course, coached down there in Birmingham for many years. So, 
Uh, UAB was one that I took. It was one of the first ones I took on Sunday. I took nine with them, eight and a half pretty much still in the market. Would still even like it there. This is a pretty good three-point shooting team, 38%. And, you know, the three-point shot, it's cliche as it sounds, Dave. It's the great equalizer in college basketball. And Houston is more of a man-to-man. But when we were talking about it over the weekend, if you watch that tournament down there in the American Athletic Conference, Used a little bit more zone against both Tulane and Memphis. And look, it worked against Memphis because Memphis didn't hit a three until like really late in the game. It was like we kept updating it throughout the show at the green <laughs> zone on Sunday. Memphis 0 for 7. Memphis 0 for 8. And I was like, has Memphis hit a three? You go, they hit one. I was like, oh, really? That's like, it. I missed it. Uh, we we should have thrown the confetti. But <laughs> UAB, I think, will test Houston a little bit more from the outside. So they could be an upset. And also Chattanooga against Illinois. Chattanooga is becoming uh, Chattanooga. Choo-choo is becoming very popular mm-hmm. here to potentially knock out the Big Ten regular season co-champion. They do have a big guy in Silvio D'Souza, who is a high major big guy. Remember, he was at Kansas, you know, had some issues with the NCAA, ends up with, uh, here with uh, Chattanooga. And this is a team that's got some experience. They got three senior starters. They won the uh, SoCon, remember that buzzer beater to beat Furman. So that got them into the tournament. So they're playing Illinois. Lamont Paris, by the way, former assistant under Bo Ryan at Wisconsin. So I know he didn't coach against Underwood, but is very familiar with kind of what they do in Big Ten style of play. So I did not bet this as of yet, but Chattanooga, I know, is becoming kind of an upset pick that a lot of people like. They are. Let me ask you about one team that intrigues me the most in this bracket. You've seen Arizona up close and personal. You knew early on just how good this team was. I think we all get that now if you've watched them in winning the Pac-12. It's Villanova. And we talked about them a week ago. You could have got them at about 22-24-1 to to cut down the nets. That's been shorted dramatically, down about 14-1 to I'm seeing in most places. But some people that I really respect in in our space here are down on Villanova in this bracket as the two seed because they think they're too offensively challenged. Now, I wonder, look, look, this is maybe historically the best free throw shooting team that you're going to see. And I love that come the NCAA tournament. And I love their senior guards. And I love Connor Gillespie here. But at 4-1 to to make the the Final Four and come out of this region, essentially, Mm -hmm. to get through Arizona – what do you make of that price point? Yeah, I don't like I, – I usually like this program. I like Jay Wright a great deal. Yep. And he's done it before on a couple of occasions. But I don't like them to make it out either because they are offensively challenged. They're the best three-throw three shooting team, as you mentioned. Uh, arguably ever, I think they could set the record all time. They're 82.3%. But this is a team – that is kind of shorthanded. And they went through that grind at the Big East tournament. Now, credit to them. They won in the Garden and beat some good teams to do it. But this is a team that plays seven guys. Jermaine Samuels had back spasms, mm. was playing through it. Caleb Daniels was dealing with our Dixon, and Dixon were dealing with illness. So this is a shorthanded team. And you worry about their depth a little bit. I think they get by Delaware, even though I took Delaware at 16 and a half on the opener. Tom Inglesby uh, is the father of Delaware head coach Martin Inglesby. Remember, Tom Inglesby was on the Final Four team for Villanova in 1971. So this is going to be a special game. Martin Inglesby grew up in that around that area. So this is going to be special for them. So I think the Blue Hens cover in what is likely a low-scoring game. And the thing with Villanova, if you think that they're so offensively 
incredibly explosive with the number eight offensive efficiency team in the country. They're 345 in tempo. They play a lot of low-scoring games, and you saw it, I think, on Friday night against UConn and then on Saturday in the final against Creighton. These are low-scoring games. So I think Villanova, though, has enough to get by the 15-seed Delaware with relative ease, even though I think Delaware covers. But – then you get Ohio State or Loyola in the second round, and Loyola was the favorite. Now Ohio State, maybe Loyola is kind of a trendy pick here. Mm-hmm. I think Ohio State actually could beat them, and I did pick them to do so. But Loyola is kind of another team that plays a similar way because they're 300-something in tempo, like 308. So this is not a team that's a very high-scoring team. They're a very good shooting team, especially from the three at 38%. But I do kind of lean Ohio State, at least at that standpoint. It's now gone back to a pick. Ohio State really kind of faltered coming into this tournament, losing four of their last five. Check the injuries, by the way, for the Buckeyes. If Zed Key and then, of course, uh, uh, Kyle Young is going to go, obviously that gives them a much better chance uh, because Kyle Young, one of their main starters, he's missed the last few games. So uh, check that out. But really, I think the danger team at the bottom of this bracket is Tennessee. Okay. And I like them. I like them over Longwood. I think that they win their second round matchup over Colorado State or Michigan. Tennessee is actually because I kind of went against the grain here. Everybody's picking Arizona. I went with Tennessee, the number three seed out of this bracket because I absolutely love this team's defense. Now we've talked about it ad nauseum with Rick Barnes that you know he's ne- he's done everything but gets to the Final Four, gets the bugaboo off his yeah. back a little bit. You know, yeah. you win the SEC tournament. Yeah, and Rick, Rick Barnes has won everywhere he's yeah. won. He just hasn't had that breakthrough to the final four, but this is a team that guards you as hard as anybody in the country. They're the number three defensive efficiency team. The one thing that concerns you a little bit is their two guards are freshmen, albeit very talented. Kennedy Chandler and Zakai Ziegler, really quick but small guards, so you do worry about that, but I think uh, John Fulkerson has good leadership for this team. Tennessee, reminder, did beat Arizona earlier in the regular season down in Knoxville, so I know U of A wants that rematch. Tennessee also could get a rematch with Villanova, mm-hmm. who they lost to 71-53 in that tournament up at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, but I just like the way this team is playing right now, and, and I'm going to take defensive teams more often than not here. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting bracket. Again, Michigan is an 11 seed. They're getting a lot of heat, but after that collapse against your alma mater, Indiana, I wonder where they are mentally, but again, they've got to be happy that they don't even have to play in the playing game, and they're at least in the big draws, the 11 seed taking on Colorado State in a pretty tight line there. All right, when we come back, we have not talked about the Midwest region. We will do so and break down that bracket. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on Vista, the Sports Betting Network. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets or risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Well, you can convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, hotel rooms, at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds as we wrap up this edition of the Lombardi Line right here from South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And it is, of course, March Madness-centric because we cannot wait to tip off the tournament tonight. Let's talk about the Midwest region here a little bit west before uh, we call it a day. And that's where we find Kansas as the small betting favor, about $2 to make it to the Final Four and come out of this region. That's because you have Auburn there at just over $3. Iowa, the winners of the Big Ten tournament at plus 375. Scani at 12-1. to Now, that's interesting because for... A short period of time, mm-hmm. people were talking about them being on the one line, yes. and now they're all the way down to twelve to one. LSU looking for a head coach; they're sixteen to one. If you think they can pull off a, you know, Bill Frieder situation where you get rid of the coach, and maybe that's an addition by subtraction with Will Wade out of the mix there. Providence, I don't think they're getting a lot of the love here. Maybe a lucky team throughout the the majority of the year in the Big East at twenty five to one. SC is talented with Andy Enfield and company at 25-1. to 1. And then the longer shots there with Jim Laranega at 33-1 to 1 in Miami, San Diego State as well, and Creighton at 40-1. to 1. They were the runner-ups in the Big East. What do you make of this overall bracket? Because i got to be honest, at first glance, it feels like the weakest of the four. Yeah, and I hate to add to the refrain because oftentimes when we all are on, like, have the same take, then it works out the exact opposite <laughs> way. But if you look at the numbers and it really bears it out, This is the easiest path to a Final Four for a one seed, that being Kansas here, the Midwest region, by the way. That Elite Eight Sweet 16 will be in Chicago, so not a very far travel. Because if you look, the number two seed right behind them, Auburn, 
uh, three and four just in their last seven on the road. They have not been nearly as good on the road as they have been on the plane down there at home. Right. And three and four in their last seven on the road, and they needed a last-minute basket or overtime to claim all three of those victories. So then you go down there, and then you look at some of these other teams uh, – Providence and Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I'll start with them because they're the three seeds, so we'll go in order. They are 20 points lower in the Ken Palm, and I don't want to necessarily use the Ken Palm as gospel here because, you know, sometimes we tend to maybe overvalue that, but they are 20 points lower in the Ken Palm than every other three seed. If you look at the other three seeds in this tournament, Tennessee, uh, Purdue, Texas Tech, those are all like top 12 teams. And Wisconsin was down there way in the 30s. And then Providence, by the way, mm. 29 spots lower than every other four seed in the field. The other four seeds in the field being Illinois, UCLA, and Arkansas. Now, getting to Providence, you were talking about the fact that they absolutely have been lucky. Now, I can't necessarily, and I know it's going to be the trendiest upset. Everybody's going to pick South Dakota State That's to right. beat Providence, that 13 over four. And South Dakota State is capable. They run good stuff. They are an excellent shooting team. However, if you look at this, Dave, and this tells you how efficient the market is now in terms of sports betting and how liquid it is. Four or five years ago, if you had this matchup, South Dakota State would be getting like four and a half, maybe five. I mean, they wouldn't get totally disrespected. So you wouldn't be getting seven or eight or eight and a half or nine or something with this team. Now you're only getting two and there's dudes cutting in line to bet two on South Dakota State. Amazing. And, and I almost want to go with, uh, as weird as this sounds, like a contrarian favorite in Providence in that first game because hmm. I think that they're going to feel a little bit of that disrespect. Now, I don't think Providence is going very far because I would think that they would get knocked out by Iowa in the next round, assuming Iowa gets by Richmond and speaking of Iowa Iowa's kind of the hot team coming in this tournament so I have seen some people including some national pundits put this team through the final four and you know here's the thing with Iowa the defense has improved they can score the Murray brothers and they have shooters with Bohannon and company However, there's always a point where Iowa, and I think Iowa's going to make the Sweet 16 and get Kansas in a regional semifinal. There's always a point where Iowa, they can score points, but they can't stop anybody, right. especially can't stop you at the rim. If you get to the rim on these guys, you're going to score. All you have to do is not turn the ball over because Iowa does a good job forcing turnovers. But Iowa just always runs into that team that just out-athletes them. It's like, well, they're going to get high 80s, but they're going to give up high 90s. <laughs> and you just worry that that's going to happen to them with the Hawkeyes when they get to Kansas. I just don't think that they're going to be able to guard. However, I think that they might be Kansas's biggest obstacle en route to the Final Four in New Orleans. So you you just look at the numbers, and the numbers just indicate that the Jayhawks got a, got a pretty solid draw here. And you mentioned LSU, Kevin Nickelberry is going to take over for Will Wade, former head coach at Hampton and Howard's been the assistant head coach. Him and Will Wade actually went back to their Clemson days when mm -hmm. Nickelberry was on Oliver Burnell's staff, and Will Wade was a student manager on that Clemson basketball team. But nevertheless, Will Wade is gone. Kevin Nickelberry takes over the team. I think maybe for one game, LSU can rally. 
where it's like, okay, we got to win one for Coach Nick here. You know, maybe they're going to think that, hey, if we get on a run, we can get this guy the job because probably Kevin Nickelberry helped in terms of recruiting some of these guys and brought some of these guys to Baton Rouge. So I think that they beat Iowa State. I didn't bet it, but I think that they beat Iowa State in the first round. And then uh, the team that we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about uh, Wisconsin. We talked about how lower they were on the Ken Palm. This is a team that's gotten some lucky wins this year, but they're always such a nightmare to play and prepare for because this is not a team that usually beats itself. I, this I, is always a team yeah. that doesn't turn the ball over, but they're not particularly like great in anything. They just happen to have a great player on their team that they usually don't have, that being Johnny Davis, who uh, should be healthy for this. I know he hurt himself in the season finale mm-hmm. against Nebraska, did play in the Big Ten tournament, but... Colgate is actually taking money against Wisconsin. If you look at at some of these uh, spreads that got put out, one of the first things that I saw on Sunday was Wisconsin getting bet against here because maybe they're just not that team that's a sexy team that impresses you, but they open as high as nine, and I saw this get bet down as low as seven and a half, pretty much where it is market wide with this Colgate team that, you know, has played competitive in the NCAA tournament before. Uh, Remember, they took Tennessee down the stretch, mm-hmm. uh, but but last year against Arkansas, everybody bet Colgate and they never covered the game. No. Never really even had a chance to cover the game. So that's why I'm a little lukewarm about fading Wisconsin in this spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. I'll tell you this. It's a kind of unsexy half of the bracket here when you look at Auburn as the two, up through LSU as the six to come out and potentially play Kansas if they get that far for the right to go to the Final Four. The team that I do look at and think can make some noise is Miami as a 10 seed. And look, Coach L, Jim Laranega, for all of us that come from the D.C. area, we remember what he did to George Mason, taking them all the way to the Final Four. This guy can coach, and he's got a team that can that can score. Mm-hmm. Miami can score. Now, maybe the defending might be an issue, but catching a point and a half against USC, I kind of like them in this spot here to open up the NCAA tournament. And again, we'll find out if they match up with Auburn, potentially in that second round, Wes. I think Miami might be a sleeper team. You know what? You may be right. And, and look, I did, in fairness, put USC through in the bracket. I actually have them going to the second weekend. But Miami, when you look at the numbers, and I think maybe it's Miami not getting a lot of respect because the ACC is down. has been so down. Like, the Pac-12 is down, too. I mean, what did they get? Three teams uh, out of the Pac-12? And it was a clearly a three-best team with Arizona, with USC, and UCLA. Miami, though, does have some experience. They're efficient offensively. They don't turn the ball right. over at all. Yeah, I worry a little bit about some of the competition they play because if you look at Miami, they really kind of have one home run win. They did win in Durham and, and beat Duke uh, by two, but they've got a lot of wins against like kind of like middling teams. Probably their second best win, if you take out the sweep of Wake Forest, was North Texas, who was the Conference USA champion who uh, – you know, would have made, you know, if they would have won that tournament, they would have had to have done that to get in. But North Texas was a pretty solid team. So I worry a little bit about that with Miami. Meanwhile, USC is a team with a couple NBA players, Isaiah Mobley mm-hmm. and Boogie Ellis. But you watch this team, and I remember tweeting this out a couple of weeks ago. I was like, how's this team 25 and 5? Because I've watched <laughs> this team so many times, and it's like they always leave you wanting more, even though they're very good at the rim, two, second best two point defense in the entire country. But they don't force a lot of turnovers. They don't really run away and hide from teams. This is not one I'm going to bet. I think the line is a spot on. I think Miami absolutely could beat USC even though I did advance the Trojans. All right, now that we know everything in the brackets, of course, getting ready to tip off tonight. Wes, I give you the option I gave everybody else this week. You could have the four number ones or you could have the rest of the field. 
What are you taking? I am going to take the field because I do believe Kentucky's going to cut the nets down in New Orleans. Uh, not exactly, you know, a dark horse here, no, but they but are still. a two seed, and I think Kentucky's going to win it all, and I'm going to stick with that. All right, I'm going to take Gonzaga. You've burned me so many times in the past, Dags. Can you get it done this year, Mark Few? Let's see if you can finally get that elusive national championship ring. All right, Wes, a lot of fun here for the last two hours. Again, want to thank Will Hill for joining us as well. Enjoy the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it starts tonight. We'll be back right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.